Welcome to the Francisca Show podcast on JewishCoffeeHouse.com, the show where I give a voice to Jewish issues, topics, and people. I'm Francisca, your host. Hello and welcome. We have some housekeeping to do before we get started with our super exciting episode today. First, we will have Faye on the show from Jewish Matchmaking, then we'll have Aliza, and then at the end, I have a response for you about last episode from one of our most visited guests on the show, my sister, Esti Goldschmidt-Chanin. So stay tuned for that. I am so excited because this really matches with the previous episodes, which was eating disorders and shadduchim. And then we had Binyamin last week. So we are definitely in theme with this Netflix show of Jewish matchmaking and talking all about that. I really hope this episode is different from all the other episodes you may have listened to on other podcasts about the show. And I sincerely thank you for tuning in to the show to listen to what's going on here. And from my perspective, the questions that I want to discuss and ask. So thank you once again. The throwback episode for today is actually an episode we had with Eliza Ben Shalom way back when with Mindy Eisman. So I linked that in the show notes. And we have such exciting episodes coming out. And today I'm actually at the Jewish Women Entrepreneur Conference. I'm going to be there meeting people, talking about the show, talking about podcasting. So I'm really excited to be doing that. So shout out to Chai Fishman for doing this event year after year. I was there once before and I'm so excited to be back and meet so many of you in person. If you'd like to join the WhatsApp group, please message me to join. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, please do contact me and don't be shy. I love hearing from you, whether you want to sponsor, whether you just want to send some nice feedback. I'm Francisca. This is The Francisca Show. And you're listening to a podcast on the Jewish Coffee House Network. And here we go. Welcome to The Francisca Show, Francis. Today with us, we have Faye from Jewish Matchmaking, the only Orthodox single representative on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And in our pre-conversation, I forgot to ask you, did you watch the show? And did you like yes. the show? But I guess we can, we can talk about all that here. Yes and yes. And did I, but, do I have what to criticize about the show? Yes, everything. You know, I I'm in this space. I want to hear it all. I grew up very thick skin. So let's see. Well, I, I no, hear uh, the criticism is not for you at all. And I just want to put out there the guy you went out with got engaged the day of the premiere. Is that correct? Yes, that is very correct. Yeah. I went to engagement How did party that make you feel? <laughs> it was amazing. I like we have like it's weird because I'm typically not the type of person to be like friends with my exes or people that I've dated. But because we've done this experience together and because our families know each other, like we're, we're totally like in like a friendly, respectful relationship. He's also cousins with my best friend. So I actually went to his engagement party this past Sunday um and it was amazing his his kala actually like m- messaged me called me she's like you must come i must meet you and it was beautiful so i was like the, talk about having good closure for so from someone that you dated this was like perfection <laughs> <laughs> amazing well that's great to hear because this week on the podcast we have we had attachment theory and a single man sharing his uh story and journey of dating so lots of single women reaching out to me with all their complaints and issues that were gonna do a follow-up episode on that so that sounds so interesting so first of all tell me w- how did they get you on the show okay because <laughs> like yeah. what i was thinking just before you answer and 
well, what's wrong with her that she's on the show? And then it's like, nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realized you're on social media, you have a business, you're already comfortable enough in the public eye. This didn't seem like a big, crazy leap of faith, even though even I'm in this industry and everyone I've interviewed very often when they're single, they're much less comfortable coming onto podcasts to talk about their opinions than, you know, email me when I'm married and then I'll come on. And I've done that. I've waited for some of my guests to get married before I had them on. Okay. So yeah, Yeah, your train of thought is very, very on target. Like I appreciate the transparency because yeah, I would imagine that people would be like, oh my God, what's her problem? And then, and then maybe the next step is like they Google me and they're like, oh, she already has business. She's already there. She's already doing this. So maybe this is not so different. And it's a very clear train of thought because it's really similar to exactly how it happened. Like I'm totally shy by nature. What got me to come to be more like on social media was my business. So like I'm, I'm definitely like an entrepreneur in every sense of the word, even though I'm a therapist as well. But like the entrepreneurial part of me is so strong that I started a business around, you know, for therapists, psychiatrists, nutritionists, coaches, a directory platform for people that don't know. Okay, Clarity. And one of the things I realized as I was growing the business is that I need to be the face of the company at this point, at least. Right. And I need to put myself out there. And it was really hard for me. And at that point, I had the conversation with people at, you know, let's say my mom and people that I respected. Should I put myself out there more for the business? And the and like the, at that point, I came up with the idea that, yes, I would in a firm way. I would put myself on social media and I would share content. I also had a lot to share. It was also like this kind of like I have so much to share. I want to share things. And should I do that? Should I not do it? And I kind of decided I would. And then this opportunity came along and I can go into the story of how that happened. I was actually, I met with Aliza because we have synergies between our businesses. She's an entrepreneur herself. She's a dating coach and she has many coaches that she trains. We have a platform where we refer people and people, we market coaches, nutritionists, therapists, et cetera. So we were having this conversation around collaborating and then she like kind of teased to me like she's like I might be having getting this gig where I'm there's this Jewish matchmaking on Netflix and like you'd be perfect like our energies were very like we had this 30 minute call that turned into an hour and a half call we were just yapping and chatting and um she's like I would love for you to be on it and I was like lol you know like that's not gonna happen like I'm a normal girl I'm not going on a Netflix show um but I thought it was cool like I definitely had that side to myself that I am like a risk taker and I'm out there and I, I was like that sounds amazing Aliza like amazing opportunity like wishing you the best of luck a few months later, she got back to me. She's like, Faye, it's legit. Like, we want somebody orthodox and please consider it. We're making a Kiddush Hashem. Um, I said, I'll think about it. And I think I th- thought about it for like a day. And I got back to her and I said, no. <laughs> and um, a few months later, she reached out to me again. And she's like, Faye, like, we really don't have anyone orthodox. It's going to be a huge Kiddush Hashem. Please think about it again or find me somebody. Like, we really need this to happen, you know? And... Um, at that point, I felt a little like she was really, obviously I'm leaving out details, but it was really like about the Kiddush Hashem and about the opportunity to really glorify God's name. And I was like, maybe I should, before I just say no, and like I had that kind of little bit of a guilty conscience, like maybe I'm throwing away an opportunity for myself, for for the, like the greater good, whatever it is. And I was like, let me ask a rabbi. And it wasn't just like my local rabbi, it was somebody that like I would really trust. And it took time to get into him, but they waited and I went to him. I was sure he would say no, but at least like my guilty conscience would be clear that like I'm doing the right thing by saying no. Um, I went with my mom actually, and he said, go for it. He's like, you're the right person for this. And actually one of his reasonings was that I'm already out there. I told him, I was like, I'm already on Instagram for my business and I'm already helping people like the messages that I get just daily from, you know, inspiring people, helping people with their mental health, wellness, religiousness, whatever it is. Um, you know, so 
understanding that, he said, you can definitely do this. Um, it's the same thing. Like, he didn't see it as anything different. I was like, are you sure you know what Netflix is? Because, like, she's super religious. He was like, I, I know enough to tell you that it's okay. Um, and I, like, both me and my mom, our, our jaws were dropped. Like, we could not believe that he said to do it. And, or that we could do it. He didn't say, like, you must do it. He's like, definitely, if, if there's going to be someone that does it, you'd be the right person. And, and then it was just me against my own fears. But... I just, yeah, that, that was like, once he said to do it, and when I was so sure he would say not to, I was like, I'm just going to do this, so. And what were your fears? My fears was more about, like, I, I know that would like part of this conversation is about, like, Shadafim, would it hurt my Shadafim? So that wasn't my fear, which is interesting, because I think I overcame that, like, is this going to hurt my Shadaf when I put myself out there on Instagram for OK Clarity? You know what I mean? Like, I think at that point, I made that decision, and this didn't seem like anything different. My fears was just more about like the, the just the, the anxieties of like dealing with a company like Netflix. I know that they totally could take advantage of people. They could twist your story. They could make you sound crazy. How am I going to look on screen? Well, like the actual fear was like all those little nitty gritty things. Am I going to get a normal guy to date? Like there was a lot of like heavy lifting in, just in terms of making sure I was like going to do this. And there were a lot of adjustments that were made on their end because they so badly wanted somebody orthodox that they would never do, but they did it for me. Can you share what kind of adjustments they did? So that's tricky. Like it's tricky. I know that like that's the, the, those are the goods that everyone wants to know. Oh, could I throw out an example? Yeah, yeah. Just sure. assume. For it. Let's say you're sitting and maybe you could see some of your knee in the shot or, yes. you know, or your elbow. So taking out those shots. So yeah, you look amazing example. Amazing example. So th so I love that you said that because it's actually accurate. That was not something that I made them do before the show because I was like, my knees are usually covered and they will be covered. But then when you're filming for days, clearly there's going to be a time that you're sitting, your legs are crossed. After everything was filmed, I sent the executive producer who I had a great relationship with. She was by my house, you know, for hours and schmoozing with my mom and and I gave her a whole list of things and one of the things in there was like if there's any footage that where my knees are not covered they, you cannot use that footage or make sure they're covered please whatever obviously everything was said with respect we had a good relationship but exactly exactly like you nailed it that is exactly one example of of something that like they they accommodated for me because I was like I'm doing this for one purpose and one purpose only and you cannot let that like not be <laughs> like that that cannot be like destroyed in, in the manufacturing of the show so yeah, that's one example. Another example that I can say, I think, is even just the fact of like, how am I going to get an, a guy that's normal to date on a show, right? Like that, like it's hard enough to get a guy in real life to date that's a good guy. And then, and then to be on a Netflix show, like most of, there were tons of guys that wanted to be on the show that, that would have been willing to date me, but they were way too left for me, right? And I was like, I'm not going to put myself on a platform like this with an audience like this, dating somebody that I would never, ever, ever, ever date in real life. Um, so that was like another adjustment that they made, which was, you know, not, none of my, everything that they filmed, because everything's filmed in different spaces. So when I started, I didn't yet have a guy to date. And I made sure that it was in contract that I would not, not a piece of my footage would be used unless there was a guy that I agreed to date that I dated on the show. So I knew that if they don't come back with a guy that I'm willing to date, they are not using a bit of my information because I thought that would be a much bigger full Hashem because here's like the one Orthodox girl that's on the show could not get a date. Like what's the world going to say to that, you know? <laughs> for sure. And it's, it's incredible that they did find someone for you to go out with because that yep. nuance, which was so heavily portrayed, I, I thought it was very clear how there was that dissonance. Everything seemed, the energy seemed to work. A lot of the things seemed to work except for that level 
of from kite that commitment mm-hmm. w- was off base and that they showed what a big deal that is which is a real example of how what happens in shadukham exactly yeah it was completely like a typical thing that would have happened in my dating life and has happened before my dating life you know it wasn't it sounds like i, I can't say it happens all the time but like this it happens to me it's an easier thing to find out before you go out with somebody which i typically would here i looked away i was like it's good enough and he's is good enough and he's a great guy and he's an amazing guy um but yeah like normally right, you that could did cross out. my mind <laughs> yeah right yeah exactly like, like, that, that was something that could have been avoided exactly a hundred percent a hundred percent but you gotta like you know for the like to to you have to look micro macro a little bit and and that was kind of like the the perspective that we took did somewhere in your mind did you think oh what what if i find my husband on this show like was there or did you go in with you know completely parv i don't know how many years you've been dating but going in with this (laughs) 29 so I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm dating for a, a nice while, but did I go in? Well, I knew, I knew that there would be a guy. Like, I would have to date at least one guy on the show in order to be on the show because that was part of my stipulation. Then you're saying, like, was it with Shia? You're asking, meaning, meaning, like, did I think for like that there was a chance that we would get married? Like, he would be the one, like, or or in general? Uh, well, either one. You could answer both. I don't think that I thought so because it was so hard to even find a guy. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that would be willing to go on the show. Um, but there was definitely a lot of good joking that was going around because like when we initially met Shai, I mean, you saw like we had a gr- good relationship and we were cute together and he was in my house. And obviously when cameras are off and all the, the executive producers are there and they're like, oh my God, if you guys make this work, we're sponsoring your wedding. We'll be there. And like they were like, <laughs> we've met each other 15 minutes you're ago. paying your kids tuition. <laughs> <laughs> totally they were like selling us everything they're like just make this work just make this work um and we're just like laughing it was it was it was a if i have to like say the number one emotion that this whole experience was in 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 the actual experience of it like dating shia and the you know that whole footage it was like absolute fun like i'm not a tip i'm not your like your classic fun person like i don't go to six flags i'm not for me fun is like having an amazing work day entrepreneurial day or spending time with fr- friends and family but like Dating is not fun, but dating Shia on the show was absolutely fun. And that did come through. There was held back giggling that, and you were surprised by it. You're clearly, and, and we don't know how much of it was real because obviously there's so many hours of footage and they're only using yeah. tiny bits in a curated way for the audience to have the experience that they're having. Yeah. Yeah. What else did you want to say? I was just going to say that you you got that right. Meaning there were a lot of jokes that were that went that went down that were not recorded, but of course they got me laughing like hysterically. But he has an amazing sense of humor, and there were a lot a lot of jokes that were cut out, um, which could have been in there. But I think that they were just too niche for like very much an orthodox audience that it wouldn't have been appreciated by the global audience. But it's just interesting. Everything is so cut and pasted that all my laughing they they managed to to take, but like his jokes are half cut out. So. Whether how that leaves me looking, I don't know. But for, for the most part, it, it's okay. <laughs> and what was it like actually dating someone? Because it's not like a scripted. Th- this is your real life, your real emotions. Yeah, you had to take this semi seriously. Sure. What was it like doing that on camera? I think. I mean, I think what you see is what you get. Like I wasn't really putting on a show. I was really like present. The first ten minutes, like. 
first of all, there's so much filming that happens before dating, which is when they're interviewing me, when I'm with Aliza, that you kind of get used to the cameras and then dating, you know, so then when I dated Chai, that was like the last piece of filming. The cameras already I was kind of used to. Um, so again, the first 10, 15 minutes, you get used to it or you don't even get used to it. Like I remember I was talking about things about my family members and I gave them that as well. I was like, do not put any of this in because I totally forgot that there were cameras there and I was just like having a normal date. And then I was like, you cannot say this about, like, not, nothing bad, but I was like, my family lives in Lakewood and they are normal people and they cannot be, like, they can't be referenced in this detail in a Netflix show, you know? So yeah, like, I, I kind of feel like dating is not something that's uncomfortable for me. Like, I'm a pretty, maybe it's my age, maybe it's just my personality, but I'm pretty much a chill, like, I'm comfortable dating. So doing it with cameras and that obviously adds a layer of, like, discomfort but after 10-15 minutes also I guess I give Shia credit like he was really good and comfortable and not awkward that it didn't feel it didn't feel too crazy at all like it really felt like a, re a regular fun date just with like more paparazzi you know like just a ton of cameras my makeup artist was on the date with us with with a whole host of people which was great because I was laughing so hard that like I think my makeup was running at one point so yeah, it was really not, it wasn't like part of it was so totally not a regular date, but part of it was so much a regular date of just like having a conversation with someone that was a nice to talk to. Now that the show is out, are you reading some of the feedback, some of the articles? I, what I noticed, okay, I'll let you answer and then I'll go into some more. No, I'd love to hear what you noticed, but for sure, I mean, I, I, I get this, um, my brother signed me up for like, Google Alerts when a name is like mentioned in media like 10 years ago. He's like, I never thought you'd be famous. So I don't know like what I was thinking. So every day he gets like a, a alert on email with like every place that I mentioned and he forwards it to me. So of course the first day I looked at every single, you know, article and skimmed it. Now at this point I don't look anymore. But the feedback I can just say like in general, I don't know what these articles, whatever they write, sometimes they're so off. Like one of them even wrote that I'm Muslim. The other one wrote that I'm like married to Shia. So like they're, they can be so way off that anything that they say that's credible is lost its credibility in my mind but I've been getting hundreds of messages from people from all walks of life so I get messages from people that are totally not Jewish Catholic Christian Muslim telling me how they never saw this side to Judaism like they saw through me they have like a newfound respect appreciation they pray that their children will be like me they have their daughter they had their daughter watch just my episodes to show them what they want for them so like that feels really nice then from the other spectrum, you have people just like me who are like, wow, like, we're so thankful that you made this Kiddush Hashem. Like, we, we were never represented this way in mainstream media. And then we have people, I have people reaching out that they're like, off the derech, OTD, and they never saw this, like, seeing this on screen is like making them reconsider. To me, that's like the most powerful so yeah, feedback has been, I have not gotten one negative comment, they, like, which is which is unreal. Like I did not have that expectation going into this. I thought haters will will hate, you know, like everyone. Well, there was know. nothing to hate about you. Honestly, oh, there well, was nothing to hate about you other than maybe you didn't do enough research before going out with Shia, but you explained <laughs> the reason behind yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And it, it's your mother's fault anyway, not yours, yeah, let's right? Blame her, let's blame exactly. <laughs> Well, kudos to her for agreeing to do all of this. And she looked amazing on camera and she looked like the authentic thing. It's not like yeah. you were coming in. You you really yeah, did that representation. Really, like if another date would have been videoed, that was not a Netflix date. Like it would have been pretty much the same lines. Like it's classic, my mom, everything. Our conversation in the kitchen is classic to the conversation that she had with Chai, which a lot of it was cut out, but to everything. Yeah, my mom was like, cla like, classic her. <laughs> and of course, a lot of it's cut out. But 
the fact that there's a level of comfort shows that this is taken out of a much larger conversation that made everyone so comfortable in general. So we did get that feel. I just want to shout out to one of the articles that I did read about the show. Sapporo Lifshitz wrote this article. I think she's the owner of the Creative Space Facebook group. And she wrote how she was at the premiere in Israel of the show. And they showed specific parts of the season because they couldn't show the entire season in one sitting for everyone. And someone who looked like a seminary girl stood up to ask something about why did they have older singles on or something referring to older singles. And that was like a big eye opening. First of all, it's Jewish matchmaking, not Orthodox matchmaking. Second of all, 22 year olds are not the norm is by 22, you start feeling a little old. And that's what when you're thrown in compared to, you know, secular dating, 22 is <laughs> as young as 19, as the youngest 17 in their eyes. And and this was an eye-opening experience that I thought she wrote up really beautifully. And then seeing the Orthodox dating on Netflix compared to... <laughs> I And it's just this whole dissonance of the whole... Everyone feeling so old and the pressure to get married is just a big spotlight on that issue. And we talk a lot about Shaduchim and... Uh, eating disorders, everything that happens around the the Shaduchim, like big ball that we're all under all the time. People yeah. sent to schools or dresses or anyway, everything's for Shaduchim, for Shaduchim. So that I found this show to be, in, in the way it's not made for Orthodox Jews, but for the Orthodox Jews that do watch, that's your wake up call. And I've heard the executive producer talk about that, that being a goal. So meaning, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying, meaning the, the girl in Israel said that what, that she wanted older singles she didn't want older singles she didn't want she didn't know why there was an older i could find the article if you just give me a minute no but she was surprised as to how that's represent i i have to find it you're right you're maybe maybe i'm just still a young single i'm 29 i don't know maybe that's just too young i shouldn't be dating yet (laughs) (laughs) okay here she goes she was wearing a purple jumper who is netflix trying to reach with featuring these older singles shouldn't they be settling Uh for less at their ages and then the narrator writes, older, Cindy's 27, Noah's 24, older singles, I'm indigenous. These people are not older. And it suddenly struck me that the collective worries of me and my friends about how Netflix was going to portray Jewish culture were a distraction from the real issues with Shaduchim, matchmaking services in the Orthodox communities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting, and interesting. Yeah, more. I think just the opposite. I think the fact that like you're seeing people that are 20 you know, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, whatever it is, still having the, like, the optimism and still having the courage to date and to put themselves out there. I think that can give younger singles who feel like older singles so much hope. Um, And that was also one of the reasons that I actually wanted to go on the show, because I do feel that, you know, even though I am an older single, but I don't, I don't know that I take on the stereotype of an older single. And I just feel like, that is a powerful message to portray to younger singles. It's a message that I wish I had. Like I felt older at 23 than I feel at 29. And I think that many 23-year-olds feel like if I feel this terrible at 23, how will I feel at 29? But I'm here to tell them, like, I'm not saying, you know, wait till 29, but um, it doesn't necessarily get worse. It's, you know, if you personally develop yourself and you work through your stuff or whatever it is, you learn to embrace who you are at any age and in and, and any circumstance. And it's not easy and it's not all sunshine and roses, but no no stage of life is. So 
that's kind of like I thought if, if, if they only portrayed 18, 19 and 20 year olds, I think that would be like a massive disservice to the community, to the world in general anyway. But yeah, that's just my perspective for what it's yeah. worth. No, and I, I love that you brought that in. If there's a season two, would you come back on? Oh, a million dollar question. I had a, a talk at 92Y this past Sunday and they asked me that question too. My answer is that a married version of myself, God willing, will be in season two. <laughs> if there's a season two, like... Um, okay, I love you know. that answer. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share that's worth mentioning? By the way, um, I'm enjoying this so much. <laughs> I was expecting the worst and this is oh, really? really amazing. <laughs> no, for sure. Same here. This is really nice. Thinking if there's anything else, I think that one of the main reasons I did this was to have to give, like, the. I think that the Orthodox community doesn't, we're either misrepresented or we're not represented at all on mainstream media. And I think that there are so many people like me out there. Like people think, oh my God, you're so unique or you're this, like the fact that you did this, like you're one in a million. But I don't feel that way. Meaning I feel like there's another thousand girls that could have done what I did. They didn't. Okay, fine. But they're just like me out there. And I think that we don't get that ear time because we're all too scared or for other reasons don't want to put ourselves out there, which I'm not saying everyone should. I think it's a massive risk and thank God, you know, I took it and I had good results. But I think that people should recognize that whoever, you know, whatever their stereotypes are of the Orthodox or the from Jew, it's broader and it's healthier and it's more empowering than, you know, mainstream media or the terrible stories will have you thinking. And I hope that that, that message is clear. It is. And you did such a great job. And when I said I was expecting the worst, I was, <laughs> I was nervous about, you know, standardized answers and things that you mm -hmm. just said millions of times. But I really feel like this was a, a real conversation. So thank sure. you for no, that. Absolutely. This is like my first time officially talking about this in, in like a, in a podcast format. And like I said, I did a few Q&As by 92Y. Yeah. And I get messages all day on Instagram, but I don't have the bandwidth to answer them like with details like how do I apply for season two I'm like I don't know I never applied you know <laughs> so but yeah this was really refreshing I appreciated it and and yeah I thank you time. so much for doing this yeah sure. I promised you we'd stay under 30 minutes yes, so I, keeping my I, promise. If I have another five if there's anything that's like burning that you're like I wanted to ask you this and I didn't get to like feel free but I feel like we covered well a lot. did you get any shidduchim suggested to you based on your new exposure it's <laughs> another good question um, anyone sliding into yeah. your dms wanting to date you that's another version of the question many people sliding into my dms I need to make like a big disclaimer that I don't answer like those type of dms yeah, that's that's probably like one of the challenging things to to navigate right now. You know, the the exposure and people, you know, not not getting obviously the nuances that are not necessarily shown on the show. So that's which is that if you want to date you, they have to go through a matchmaker or correct mother correct or or like you know maybe there's like a guy that like maybe he prays three times a day with a minion. So all of a sudden, like every guy that prays three times a day with a minion is now for me. Like. It's just, you know, people like misconstrue things. Not, not that that's obviously, I respect the guy that prays their time say, and I definitely want that, but that doesn't mean that every guy that does that is an ideal match for me. So yeah, thank God I can say this. Like, I didn't worry what it was going to do to my Shadduchim because I, I truly, like, I'm into Munam Bitachon and also into Das Torah, obviously. And like, I know that you can't lose out from doing the right thing and you won't gain from doing the wrong thing. And in this, in this case, I believe that I did the right thing and I don't, I know that God would not punish me for that. And I didn't think it would hurt my Shadduchim because I was like, I'm doing this for the right reasons. I got a massive rabbi to give me his blessing. Like, I'm good. 
and yeah, thank God, like I'm not, I have no complaints on that, on that front in terms of like, you know, what's happening in my personal life. I very much not want to share like my personal dating life in general. Like I know Netflix was, was like that experience, but I don't plan to like continue to share that with people and on social media. I think that it's private, it's secret, and I want to keep it that way. But you'll use it to help you blow up your business because why not? Right. We hope so. We hope so. I mean, definitely, you know, exposure, exposure helps in in any case. Right. And for anyone who is not watching for religious reasons or anything else, can you tell us what you do? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a therapist. What would would you be invited to slide into your DMs for? Right. Oh, well, well, anyone could slide into my DMs. I got hundreds of messages that were beautiful and I answered every single one of them. When they start saying like, would you date this and would you date that? To me, that's like a line that I'm not going to cross in answering. But yeah, in terms of feedback, I'm always welcoming that. Even if it's not the most beautiful feedback, people can share what they want to share and, you know, we can take it or leave it. But in terms of what I do, so OK Clarity is a mental health and wellness directory platform where people can find, we, we vet professionals, therapists, psychiatrists, nutritionists, coaches. We build them an online presence. We help market them and we drive traffic to our platform we have 8,000 people on our WhatsApp status, like we spoke about before. We have a few thousand on Instagram newsletter, and we help people either use our direct, they can use the directory to find the professional, or they can fill out a match me form, and we actually find somebody for them, which is cute. It's like matchmaking, and I have someone on my team now that does a lot of it, and she's like, I feel like a matchmaker. She's a major fan of the show, so it's really cute. <laughs> um, it's actually a similar, similar to the matchmaking process, but just for therapy and, and wellness. Yeah, and that's that's been what I do and still do, I would say, 75% of my time, a small private practice at the side, and now trying to just balance the media and this new space that I'm in. Well, you're doing a great job, and I'm so honored that you shared your story with us, the behind the scenes, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, 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 thanks for listening to the interview with Faye. And before we move on to the interview with Aliza, I'd like to shout out to OK Clarity, the sponsor of the show. OK Clarity is the place for any Jew, no matter how from or religious you are, to find a top notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or nutritionist. And it's completely free for you to use. OKClarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. If you're in the market for therapist, coach, nutritionist, psychiatrist, or the like, you want to check them out. If you don't find what you're looking for, they have a concierge service where you complete a short form and they will personally match you. If you are a wellness professional, I highly recommend joining their directory. Their team is amazing and professionals receive referrals effortlessly. OK Clarity also has an amazing WhatsApp status with over 7,500 obsessed followers. And yes, I am one of them. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health and they post great humor so you'll laugh too. If you have a WhatsApp, shoot them a message at 917-426-1495. All the links are in the show notes for you so make sure to go check them out. Our next sponsor for today, I would like to give an electrifying shout out to the incredible team at Dynamic Motion Pictures led by the talented Chris. If you're in need of music videos or commercials that will truly come alive, these are the folks to turn to. Over the past four years, Dynamic Motion Pictures has been the creative force behind all of my recent music videos. Their dedication and expertise in capturing the essence of my music have left me speechless every single time. 
from vivid colors to striking production design, they bring my visions to life in ways I couldn't have imagined. One thing that sets dynamic motion pictures apart in their commitment to delivering the best experience for their clients. They go above and beyond to ensure every detail is perfect, making the whole process seamless and enjoyable. So if you're an artist or a business in need of video production services that will leave a lasting impact, look no further than Dynamic Motion Pictures. Trust me, they'll take great care of you, your project, and take them to new heights and make your vision a reality. Hire them, just do it. The links are in the show notes. And here we go, back to the show. Welcome back, Elisa Benchalom, the host of the new Netflix series, Jewish Matchmaking. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. Okay, so this is not the first time that you're on the show. I'd like to just start out, tell us how you know me and, you know, now that you're famous, let's talk about some of our Jewish geography together. Okay, we're back in the old country. So I moved to Israel two years ago, but before that, I was born and raised and lived in Philadelphia. I grew up there. And uh, we lived in Bella Kinwood, and you and I were neighbors. And <laughs> I used to record in your house, like in the little mini studio that you made, and and you helped me to put together some of my courses. And we're friends. We're <laughs> friends. And, and I, it was so funny when I was watching the show. There were so many of the things I've already heard and before many <laughs> times because I heard you recording your courses, and I've been watching you online. So what number interview is this for you? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> is this like 20? I was going to say 20-something-ish. Okay. What's the most annoying question you've gotten so far or repetitive? Uh, I mean, people keep asking, you know, oh, yeah, like, how did it start out? How did you start out? How did you get on the show? How does something like that happen? But, I mean, I, I think it's still interesting. It's just, it's just the, you know, everybody wants to know what's going on. <laughs> I want to know, how did you agree to do it? Did you have a fear that you would lose credibility within the community by doing something like this or by giving away the agency of Netflix doing whatever they want potentially with what you say and that compromising you? Excellent question. And at first, yes, because any once you sign on the dotted line, they can really do anything. They're, they have full permission to do whatever they need to do. And you can't just say like, oh, could you edit that out? Could you fix this? Could you do that? It's a whole production company and it has to be run professionally. But I would say what gave me confidence was that IPC, which is the production company, they were amazing. They in general like to do documentary style programs. This is a reality docu-series, I would call it. That's my my Aliza term for it. And I saw what they did with Indian matchmaking. So to me, if I was going in blind and this was the very first time that I had ever seen or, or was trying to do something, I would have been very nervous. But I saw what they did. They represented the people beautifully, what they do in matchmaking so beautifully. And I was like, wow, that's so similar to what we do as Jewish people. That would be cool if there was a Jewish show. <laughs> And then, you know, a few months later, I was doing interviews for it. There's something you said to me earlier. You said, I made this deal with God that I do my thing. And can you can you complete the sentence, the thought? Okay. So I said to God, like, listen, I, you know, like one of all the Jewish people, like I'm in your army, right? But pick me, pick me. I want to do it. I volunteer. Put me on the front lines. Put me out there. And I want to represent 
you, God, and the Jewish people. And I want to share with the world who we are. And I don't think that there has been enough representation. I don't think there's been enough positive representation. I don't think there's been enough diverse representation of all different types of Jewish people from all different places. And if nobody steps up to the plate, then it's going to continually be passed over. And instead of it being passed over, we have a real opportunity here and somebody's got to do it. And I said, pick me, I'll do it, I'll do it. And and please, every time I would go on camera, right? The prayer before, guard my mouth, let me speak, you know, true words, let the right things come out of my mouth at the right time. This is completely unscripted. When you see me say something or something happens that is in the moment, that is live, you know, reactions they can cut and paste and put together, but... but that's what happened. I was there and I was experiencing it for the first time. So have you gotten any negative or just criticism in general? And how do you deal with that? There are. There's not much, but I think that there's always pieces of information floating around that people are you know, concerned about, you know, uh, the show itself has some immodest scenes or things that happen, like a quick pass through on a on a beach, which has nothing to do with the show. Right. But we're in a city, you know, Miami, L.A., Tel Aviv, and there's beaches and there's people in bikinis. But the show wasn't made for an orthodox audience. The show was made to be for the world. And we have secular and religious people on the show and everybody in the show represents themselves, you know, to the best of their ability and as modestly as possible. But then, you know, the B-roll and the background, uh, you know, there's a little few little things that, you know, the, the bikini and the beach is about the most uh, visually challenging thing that we're dealing with. And in real life, do you work with secular singles or primarily with Orthodox? That's the big thing. Nobody knew. I grew up secular. I became observant. And I that really I <laughs> work... But I really work with all different singles, all ages, all stages, all backgrounds. So everybody that you saw on the show, each one of them is a representation of the type of client I have taken on in the past and that I would continue to take on in the future. Okay. Was there anything that you really wanted on the show that didn't end up happening or didn't end up making it into the final cut? You know, the other day I just had thought about something. I have to think about it again. I know with my kids and there was like a little scene and one of one of the kids, you know, a couple of them made it on, but one that wanted to be on didn't make it on. And I was like, all right, please, God, there'll be a season two and you'll get on. In that same vein, our dog, Coda the Kelev, she was in some scenes and she didn't get on. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, gosh, she's so lovable and she's so much like us. She's warm and she's friendly and she's the most spunky, cute little thing. And I was like, that would have really like warmed people's hearts to see you know, a whole family and and their little cute dog running around. But in terms of content, I want to say I can't even remember. There was so much stuff that you film. I film an hour and a half interview. So the interview you see with the person, which is what, three minutes, probably no more than five. That was an hour and a half of content. There's so much that we said. But I think that the production company did an excellent job at choosing you know, the catchphrases, the classic lines and the moments that really touched people's hearts. So there's nothing that I that I remember that I'm like, oh, I wish they would have done that. There's nothing really that rises to the top of my mind. OK, so realistically speaking, when we want to explain, just like you beautifully explained how the B-roll works, where you want to give context to the scene so they'll show the classic scenes of that town. What does it look like to do a show? So 
it didn't take three months. By the time the show comes out, these people have moved on. You probably already know Shia, who was going out with Faye, already yes, got I engaged was, to someone else. I was, I was at the engagement party last night. He wrote to me. He said, can you call me? I said, I have an interview at the 92nd Street. Why? I'm not going to be done until really late. He goes, don't worry. I'll send a car. Come to the party. We want to see you. <laughs> I went and celebrated with them. It was so special. I coached him through that relationship. I wasn't, you know, the official introducer, but I was the the coach to support him through it. What what really happens behind the yeah. scenes? Okay, how long does it take, first of all? It took two years, right? We filmed from February of 2022 until August of 2022. So it was a seven-month filming. And it was, for me, it was, you know, four weeks in America, a few weeks break, two weeks filming in Israel, a few weeks break. Three weeks in America, a few weeks break, two weeks in Israel, a few weeks break. Yeah, and then through the last three weeks in America again. So I was constantly flying back and forth. And then I was constantly, when I was at home, you know, maybe I had a three-week break and then filming for two weeks. But for me, it wasn't a grueling process. So for the people that work with the company, yeah, from early in the morning to late at night, they are insanely busy. For me, they're like, okay. Makeup time is this, set time is that. I go and I do my thing for, you know, an hour and a half and then we move on and that's it. And they go back to filming the person, their life, their family and all of that. So usually in a day, it would usually be probably only like a half a day of work for me per person, per person that I was meeting with. So it, it's not I, like I, I was in America, I don't know, for, for four weeks, three weeks, and I would meet with one or two people a week, but you know, and we bulk everything together, but it wasn't an intense amount of work. And I was like, well, what else are you doing while you're there? Are you touring the city? I was like, no, I was working. I had an Airbnb. <laughs> I had my computer. I had my yoga mat. I was, you know, working and working out and getting everything together. I, I have a real business that I run. This isn't just a show. This is my life. It happens to be that I did it on the show also, but it's exactly what I do in my life. And then I was searching for all of the matches that we need, which, as you know, takes many hours. Yeah. My my disappointment for the show was that I wish there were a few more episodes for someone to actually be in a serious relationship or even get engaged or to the chuppah. Was that something you were hoping for as well? <laughs> Always. I think everybody is hoping, no spoilers about what happened, but everybody is hoping for a happily ever after. And usually what we get to see is a happily ever beginning or not exactly a happily ever beginning. So you usually only get to see the first couple of dates if you think about it, when you film, so if we start in February and we have somebody dating, so we could come back a few months later and, and film again, and then we could come back a few months later, but if they only start in the middle of production dating, and then, or if they start at the end of production dating, like, you can't see it. We ran out, like, there is no more film time. We're done. So you get to see glimpses of where they are in their relationship according to, you know, the time that we have. But is anyone dating still from those setups? So can't tell you. You gotta watch to find out. <laughs> it will. There will be a release that's updated. Uh, we we want everybody to watch the series, complete all eight episodes, and then we will release an update of where they are. Got it. No, because I watched it. Okay, has this show exploded your business? Yes. <laughs> so if you send me a message, just. Please be patient. We are getting through our inboxes. We are getting through our social media. I have a lot of support from all of my staff, and we are working really hard to uh, 
uh, get everybody the support that they need. But really, people, can I just tell you, go to my website. We have courses. We have coaching. We have matchmaking. And everything's there. So if you want something, don't email us asking, like, can I work with you? Yes, you can. This is really what we do. You can go to our website and find us there. Fantastic. I am just curious to hear more about what it was like working on camera. I mean, I'm used to it with music videos. <laughs> But I think that's interesting to the audience hearing what it's like being, air quotes, in Hollywood, in in that world that most of us are never exposed to. For me, and I don't know why it was this way, it, it started out and I was very comfortable. It was a very natural process. So they say, you know, oh, okay, hair and makeup is coming over at 10. Okay, great. Then we're going to bring you to set. Okay, let's get you mic'd up. And you walk in and there happens to be cameras there, but... I actually wasn't uncomfortable. Most people ask, like, you you were uncomfortable, right? This was hard. And I said, no. I, I kind of sat down and I forgot the cameras were there, but I was still grounding myself going, millions of people will see this. So make sure that you are clear and articulate with your words and you say the right thing at the right time. And that was the biggest challenge that I faced. But in terms of being in front of the cameras and being in, you know, a Hollywood type of environment, people are lovely. The entire staff, the entire production crew, lovely. Every city that we went to, different people came on and off. Each one was nicer than the next. Friendly, warm, what do you need? How can I help you? Extremely accommodating. They even bought me my kosher suitcase so that I could bring my pots and pans and kosher kitchen when I went to a new city in my Airbnb. And for me, it was an extremely positive experience. I personally adore traveling and I like when I'm quote alone, I like alone time. I have plenty of work to do. And if I'm not busy, I, I have plenty of thoughts in my head. So I'm, I'm always figuring something out. So alone, I mean, I live with, you know, there's seven of us in the house and we often have guests. We just had a whole house of teenagers for Shabbos. So to have alone time to me is a special gift. Coaching and giving advice to singles on the show which is what you do so well. And there you were doing it live in front of the whole world. Was it any different? And how do you balance the not judging the singles with coaching them? When, when the whole world, at least the way they're positioned on TV is for everyone to judge, you know, right. that somebody cares right. about, I, you know, certain physical attributes like eyebrows or a full head of hair versus being bald. Right. I know that everybody has preferences. So for me, understanding that, it just helps me to deal with anybody. So when people tell me something, I'm not usually shocked. I just go, oh, okay, so this will be a hurdle for this one, and that'll be a hurdle for that one. But everybody has their hurdle. Everybody has their challenge of what does or doesn't work for them. And I think that we people in general aren't so accepting. If only you got over this, then that's why you would really find your person. And I'm telling you, the answer is no. <laughs> we all have stuff to get over and we're all working on ourselves and we're all perfectly imperfect. And that's okay. And as long as, I, so I work very hard to just, I accept people. I I accept people, you know, flaws and all. And if they say they want something very specific, I really will try to find it. And, and if I can't find it, I'll say, here, I didn't find it, but here's what I did find. Are you open to something else? And I ask permission to make a match that's outside of their preference range. And what about 
Jewish observance levels. I know there was definitely zero judgment on the show about it. But personally, when you have a Jew who is openly and excitedly talking about eating pork in your position, how are you? I don't even know if it's a Jewish Jewish ethical question or anything, but is there any, and I believe you that you don't judge, but do you feel like there there was something off about having that representation? At least as a Jew watching it, these thoughts did come across my mind. Right. I think that if we don't have reality, you don't have a real show. So I think if we only have the positive, the up, exactly how things should be, you know, a little bit of Mary Poppins and poof, everything is perfect. And in magical land, it works exactly the way it should. I think if we have a represent a representation like that, people are going to complain, but it's not real. You didn't include real people from the real world. I think what we included were people from the real world who experienced their Judaism and their life and the balance that they struggle with. And they share that with the world and they're very open about it. I, again, I work hard not to, like, you're not going to help anybody by judging them and saying, you shouldn't do that. It doesn't work. If you can say, wow, we see where you're, where you're at and what you're doing. And then we talk about Judaism and we say, well, what else do you want to do with your Judaism? You said you're spiritual. What does spirituality mean to you? How does that, how does that practice come about in your life? We're much more likely to inspire people to do more instead of attacking you shouldn't be doing these things. And if we come across with a no, 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 and a poo, poo, poo finger pointing at people, they're going to hyper-focus on what you don't like about them rather than hyper-focusing on what's really important. You're Jewish. You like your Judaism. You feel connected to your Judaism. Great. What does that mean in life? And how are you going to be inspired to do something about it? So I, in general, that's where I point my compass is towards elevating and lifting people up from where they are to where they want to go. Whatever falls off on the other side, that's their personal decision. And and I hope for them that they grow as a human being and that they're constantly improving themselves. And honestly, that's what I loved about the show. It was very eye-opening because it was validating every Jewish dating experience that wasn't exclusively Orthodox or conservative. There could have been more explanation on the differences and Ashkenazi and Sephardi. Okay, so wait, that is something that got criticism, but I do have a comment about that. Okay. I think it's That's great. And I'm gonna Okay, I'm gonna tell you why it's great. It's really great because I've had people message me and go, I didn't know what that meant. So even even non-Jewish people message me, I didn't know what this thing meant. So I Googled it. I so I asked my Jewish friend, and my Jewish friend said they don't know either. So I Googled it and I learned it up, and now I learned something. And what I think that the show did that nobody talked about is that they left people to get curious. And when you're curious, you ask questions. And when you ask questions, you find answers. And when you find answers, you can shift and change who you are and who you want to be in the world. And I think that you, you could criticize and say, oh, we should have answered it right in that moment. Rather, strike curiosity and have somebody searching for a lifetime about the meaning of things. That's even more, that to me, that's a higher level. Was there anything that was off limits or that you would not tolerate or you wouldn't want to be associated with the show if that would be on the show. And I'm assuming you had those conditions before you started. So off limits, I was very clear about Lashon Hara and not wanting gossip uh, to happen. So when they do a personal interview one-on-one, -on -one, you see me in the pink top and they ask questions about this person or that person. I said, only ask me things 
that are relevant that happened in the moment, number one. And number two, don't ask me to speak negatively about the situation and about what happened because I'm not going to do it. I'm going to speak honestly. I'm going to be open and I'm going to be real, but I will not be negative or or criticizing about the people or things of that nature. And if there was ever a line of questioning, I would just say next question, next question, like keep moving, next question. I'm not answering it. Um, and there wasn't there wasn't a lot of pushback with that. Like maybe it happened once. It wasn't like a thing. It's just certain things I know could be cut and pasted and put in a way. And and I wanted to make sure that I was very respectful about the singles I met, the parents, the friends, family, anybody else. I wanted to make sure that we held ourselves to a high standard. Beautiful. Okay. What has been your favorite part of post-production? Like after the show came out, do you like promoting the show? Do you like talking about it every day? Or you're like, we've been doing this for a few years. No, no, this has been, okay, this was the biggest secret. Everybody, no, who's the matchmaker? Who's the matchmaker? Who's the matchmaker? I'm like, when are you guys going to announce me? Because this is really hard. I'm flying out of the country multiple times. The teachers are calling me, Aliza, when are you coming back? And I'm like, I'm sorry. They're like, why? Why does a matchmaker go to America? I don't understand. You can't work in Israel. There's not enough Jews here. So it's been a really big challenge to keep a secret. So post everything, and, and it came out that I was the matchmaker. For me, it's such a relief. I am thrilled to talk about the show. It's been bottled up. I have so many different stories that I'd love to share. And it's finally a time where I can do it. And social media, you know, I I, I appear, everybody says I'm extroverted. Okay, fine. But I, I actually am this quiet human who, like, if I didn't ever have to post on social media, I would never do it. So, I, I, you know, my team is nudging me. We need more content, Aliza. They haven't heard from you today. Go outside. Film yourself. Talk about this. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, you got to, like, feed the audience. So keeping up with the demand of what people need is is something new, and I'm getting used to it and getting comfortable with it. But it's work. I mean, it's real work. It's real work. And have your children or husband complained about being in the public eye? Or are they super happy? Not yet. Not yet. We're new here. And we live in Pardeshana. My husband did say, somebody's like, you're the husband, the guy mowing the grass. <laughs> I mean, love vacuuming the grass. And he's like, yeah, that was me. So there have been sightings. It hasn't been annoying yet, but we haven't ventured out to Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. And I think things are just getting started. So it will probably get a little bit busy. I'm sure it's some, I mean, I don't know, when I take off my makeup and I take off my wig and I put on my, you know, head wrap and I, I look very different. Like, I like the made up version of me, but I look very normal plain every day. So you might you might not notice me. Also, I wear glasses, so you, you just might not notice me. Like contacts and all of this is for, you know, when I get fancy and I get dressed up and I, you know, want to want to be ready for, to you know, a night on the town <laughs> or on mm-hmm. a show. And you're going on tour, right? Could you tell us a little bit about it and what you're doing? Yes. Right now I'm in New York and doing a lot of interviews. I am also doing events in Philadelphia and New York as well. And everything. We're doing young 20s and 30s events. We're doing for anybody, you know, singles or people that are married that want to help people to date. And and the whole goal of everything that I'm doing is just to inspire people, inspire people to marry Jewish, inspire people to help people do matchmaking and inspire singles to refresh themselves and get back in the game and and keep going till they find the person. If you go to my website, marriagemindedmentor.com slash events, 
you will see the whole tour and what's happening. We are also going to go back. I'm going to go back to Israel and we're going to do stuff in Tel Aviv. So there's just going to be events, just like social media is constantly pumping things out. We're going to keep pumping out events. I'm going to be in Montreal and we're going to do a big event there. And it's just going to continue. We've gotten requests for L.A. That's going to be in the fall, probably in September. New York says, please come back. I have requests from Miami, London. <laughs> We're kind of going to do a world tour. So if anybody wants us, just reach out and let us know how we can collaborate. It's a great time to be single and Jewish because we have you, Aliza Ben Shalom, the Jewish matchmaker. Thank you so, so much for doing this, doing this interview. Thank you for that. And welcome back to The Francisca Show. Today we're doing another feedback to a previous episode, but this time by our most visited guest on the show. Esti, you are getting some award for that. Welcome to the show, Esti Goldschmidt-Shanen, my sister. Great to have you back. Thank you. So exciting to be here once again, responding uh, to one of your guests who inspired some, some deep thoughts. So. Well, we're always happy to hear from you. And I think the audience members are also really happy to hear from you because our downloads always go up when you come on. Maybe we should just host a podcast together. But I'm um, really... <laughs> I wonder why I just go on and scream at people and people just love downloading it. But Esty just started her own podcast, right? That is true. So tell me why we're here today. And what about last week's episode got you on here? Yeah, so... I listened to the episode with Binyamin Moalam about being an older single guy with commitment issues. I think the term he used was avoidant. Let's start with the good because there's not going to be a ton of it. No, I'm just kidding. The, the good is, is good for him for coming out with his story. I feel like the guy with commitment issue is, is often vilified, especially in the should have seen I think for good reason, but it's difficult to come out and, and to talk about your experience, talk about going to therapy. And I'm glad he is in therapy and is working on it, on his issues and hopes to get married someday before he turns 87. At the same time, there were a few things that he said that I found really concerning. And I was thinking in my head, oh my gosh, if there's a girl a young lady who is dating someone who has, who exhibits the qualities that Binyamin was talking about, where the person is avoidant or has issues committing, and she hears his advice of the, the way to be in a relationship with someone who's avoidant is just to not apply any pressure and just to stick around forever. And then she says, oh, all I need to do is just to be nicer. And she goes away with that and ends up in another relationship that lasts an extra three, four years and goes nowhere. I was like, oh, my God, that is so the wrong advice. The advice to women who are dating someone who has commitment issues is get your running shoes on and run in the other direction as fast as you possibly can. I get that from his perspective he wants to have women who are willing to give him a chance. The reality is he's been doing this for over 10 years and he's still single. So I've been, I've been dating for seven years for marriage before I got married. I think three, three people I dated who, who came to mind, you know, as I was listening to the episode, 
who I would diagnose with commitment issues or avoidant issues. I checked their profiles right before this podcast. It looks like all of them are still single seven years later. So yeah, there's a chance that that there will be a miracle and this guy will turn around and marry you because you're so amazing. But it's not your issue. It's his issue. And it's not your responsibility to figure out his issues and to fix his issues. So if you're in a situation where someone can't commit, you shouldn't be sticking around and you shouldn't be trying to be nicer or trying to not apply pressure. It's not your issue. It's his. You have to recognize that. And you have to think about yourself and you have to understand that there are other men out there and you have to and you have to protect yourself. That's that's my advice for for women who are in a relationship with men who cannot commit. That was, I think, the biggest concerning piece that I heard on his podcast that I was like, you know, if, if, if there can be another voice saying something else, like this is what it should be. The other thing he said that I thought was, I'm going to use the word interesting in the worst possible way, that was demeaning, horrible, where he was like, working on your commitment issues is like lifting weights. You can't go from zero to 200 pounds overnight. No, you can't, but dating isn't lifting weights. And the way he was talking about it, it's like you're done with your 10-pound weights, you throw them out, you go to your 20-pound weights. Like, girls aren't weights. They are human beings with feelings. And he already said in his, in talking about experience, being in a relationship is not his issue. He was able to be in a relationship for nine months, no problem. So if he's telling himself in his head, oh, I'm doing so much better. My last relationship was two months and this one is three months and maybe my next relationship is four months. That's not the way it works. In every relationship, you reach a point where it's like, do you dive? Do you make the commitment or do you not? And if you can't make that leap of faith, it doesn't matter if it's after two months, seven months or 10 years, it won't happen. And to all the women out there who are like, it's just another month or he just needs to get over a hump. I mean, good luck waiting for a miracle to happen. And it's not to say that there aren't exceptions and that there aren't the cases. And we all heard of those stories because it's like the story, the Disney story, the one story that everyone hears of. It's like winning the lottery and it gives everyone hope. You won't win the lottery ticket. I'm sorry. Like you can't you can't plan for that. If you're in a relationship with that kind of guy. Run, run, run. So how do you find out if that's the guy to make sure, first of all, you don't go out on a date with him? And second of all, if you do, how can you tell? So good question. I feel like there's a right answer and a wrong answer. And I'll start, I'll start with what's coming to mind, which is not the way you should think. But even before you met someone, you can do research and you can learn a lot about a person before meeting them. When I was dating, I had a very different approach, which was give everyone a first date. I think this was our grandmother's approach. Booby, she would say, a first date is nothing. But then after that, decide if you want to go out with him again. But before a first date, if you look at the demographic components, if it's a man past a certain age, I would say... In the from community, if it's a guy who's older than 25 and hasn't been married, I would already have question marks in my head because the way the demographics is set up is there are many more 
single women than men, which means that the men who want to get married can get married, marry a very high caliber woman when they want to. So if they start dating at 21, 22, even 23, by 25, they're married. And then (laughs) our brother would make this joke that she does somewhere like the parking lot, the spots that are left are, are for the disabled. No, not politically correct at all. But it's, it's basically, if, if you see a spot that's open, there's probably something wrong with it and you probably can't park in it. So the idea the fire is... Fire hydrant or driveway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or no so, parking trash pickup. So because there are more women, the women would be the example of trying to park your car or, or the higher demand side. And then the men would be more of the, the gift at the end because they're on the supply side. There are fewer of them. So if you see someone who looks available, you know, he's 32, has a great job, amazing. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's a reason he's 32 with a great job and, you know, and still watching Netflix in the evening at home. That would be one thing. And then the second thing, and Danielle speaks about this a lot, Dr. Bloom, she was actually on your show as well, is patterns of behavior. When you start dating someone first, second, third, fourth date, few weeks, a few months, I would say already by the second month, you've been on nine dates that are a few hours each. You get into talks about how we feel about each other. You start building patterns of behavior. And those are very important things to pay attention to and to see what they are. Do you feel comfortable bringing up things with him? Or are you constantly in a state of fear that if you bring something up, he'll get scared and he'll stop wanting to date you? If that's a feeling you have, there's a good chance that you're recognizing these avoidance patterns that he's pulling away and you're trying to play into that. And I would say, beware of that. If someone's saying things like, I think I love you. I want to want to marry you. And these things sound insane when I'm saying them, but these are things that people said to me. I've heard uh, of other people say them to other people. You're the type of person I, I would fall in love with. I should be feeling those things. I think I'm feeling those things. Like when you feel something, you know it. So if, if you hear those kinds of things rep- repetitively and you feel like you're walking on eggshells, you're, you're dating a guy who has commitment issues and who won't be able to commit most likely. There was one more thing I was thinking about that I'm forgetting about right now. Oh, that the the last piece is the feeling of this is so complicated. You know, these like hearing Benjamin speak on your podcast, like he was in this nine month relationship and it's all so, so complicated. Am I feeling the right things? Am I not feeling the right things? Could I spend the rest of my life? Could I not? At this age, and he mentioned that Shafan who said, you could have been with three kids at this age. He could have. Like, the point is, in all the time that he spends in his head thinking about every tiny thing four things, four times over, life passes you by. Not taking opportunities is making a choice in itself, in and of itself. And if you're in a relationship and it just feels so complicated all the time, it shouldn't be that complicated. It's not that complicated. When two people like each other, they have similar ideals. Anything can be worked out. 
you make a leap of faith. It doesn't mean you will be smiling and kissing 24-7. There are ups and downs, but you found a partner who you could work with together. And and having to spend 90% of the time saying, do we really want to be together? Do we really not want to be together? Is not the headspace you want to be in. And would you say people like him at that age are likely to never get married? Or you don't have research enough to state that? I don't have research. But if you're asking me what I think based on what I've seen, yes. And when I was dating seven years ago, the assumption in the back of my head was eventually all those guys will get married. Eventually, because when I grew up, like everyone past a point was married. But now it's not that case. They're turning 40. I'm seeing people turn 50. Don't ask how old I dated. I dated very men who were much older than me, but they're not getting married. So I think I think that thing is changing as well. I think also if you're dating in communities where it's socially super cool not to get married, like if you're in the Heights or in the Upper West Side where there's a chill scene and it's cool and you could be 21 until you're 72... There's less of an incentive and a social push to make that leap of faith and make that decision as well. And do you think women have issues of this kind, avoidant issues? I think women are perfect. Women are the best. <laughs> I'm sure there are women with issues. I just think that given the imbalance of numbers, you're much more likely to see a man with issues And women who are willing to put up with way more than they should be putting up with because they feel like there are very slim pickings to choose from. And that's not to say that there aren't abusive women, horrible women. I'm sure there are. But I've just seen many, many outstanding women who really would have married two, three, four, five people they dated. And they just keep on the the pool of people they can date is is a pool of that's infected. It's an avoidant virus. I do want to throw out there that Benjamin was very brave to come on to the show and talk about his dating and his issues with dating. And, and opening himself up to criticism like this, right? Correct. And somebody did reach out saying that in certain circumstances, they would set him up. I mean, I would say good for them. I, I, good for who? <laughs> When Benjamin said uh, his advice for women who are dating a guy who's avoidant is to not apply any pressure, that reminded me, of, you know, an abusive person who's saying, if you're with an abusive person, don't, don't act in a way that would provoke them. Like, that's blaming the victim. That's not the right advice. The right advice is get out. And with that, we're done. That's it for the week. Thank you so much for listening to the entire show. The sponsors that I promote on this show, I actually personally want to endorse. And if you have a product or a company that you want me to personally sponsor and shout out on this podcast, please do reach out. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends and family. Follow this show on whatever podcast streaming app you're listening to. You can rate and review it. Share it with your friends, join the WhatsApp group, listen to the other podcasts on jewishcoffeehouse.com. And thank you for listening. See you next week. Take care. Bye.